Thank you to the worship team. That was beautiful. I can't think of a better song, really, that summarizes our series that we are in right now called Life Together. Um, I'm going to run through a little review. Some of you might not have been here for all of the messages that we've been speaking. Uh, Life Together has been um, a series that was uh, loosely based upon a book called Life Together. Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and now our small groups. So some of you may be in small groups. Uh, if you're not, you're missing out. They just kicked off last week. There's still time, all right? So don't, don't feel like you're left out of anything. You can still be a part, um, but they're going to start walking through in more depth now uh, the book Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And so uh, those got kicked off this week, but that's what we're working through. Uh, I just want to give you a little bit of a background um, on where we've been so that we can set up where we're, we're going to be, where we are today. So what do we got here? There we go. Um, so you all see that back there. Um, this is a very busy slide. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I wanted you guys to see where we have been so far as a church. This has been the sermon series, so to speak. And you'll understand why Jesus at the center kind of comes through in all of this, right? So we've been answering a series of questions. What does it look like to be a Christian community? What differentiates us? What, you, what is unique about a church that is different from going to the why? What's different than going to a support group? What's different than from going to AA or something along those lines? What makes church unique and special? So we answered some questions. What distinguishes our community? And surprise, surprise, Jesus Christ, right? His life, death, his resurrection, and his saving work in all of our lives. And then we moved into what defines our community. Surprise, surprise, it's Jesus Christ. Amen? Do I get an amen? His love, His grace, His mercy, and the way that He uh, has extended that mercy to each and every one of us. Uh, we have received something from Him and therefore we share that out. So the next question was, what compels us as a community? And what's the answer? Jesus Christ, right? Being convinced. Paul says, I was convinced, I was so convinced about who Christ was that I couldn't help myself. I had to share who he was with other people. And so I'm so convinced, therefore, we are excited to share what we have experienced. And then we moved into, well, if we're going to be convinced and we're going to be, we know we're unique and all of that, what empowers us? And so here was a slight deviation, right? But it's still in the Trinity. Amen? Did I get an amen? So what empowers us? It's the Holy Spirit. And then just last week, we looked at three different unique things. One is confession. We spent a long time on on how the church can be a confessional community, supporting one another. And then, of course, Thanksgiving, waking up every day and being thankful. And then last week, we celebrated the Lord's table together. And that is, those are three, just three of many ways that the Holy Spirit empowers us as a community to be his unique community. But how many of you know that when everything is going really, really good, sometimes something comes along and just breaks it up? Everybody been there? The idea is what disrupts our community. What can get in the way of all this good vibe and good feelings and all the stuff that we've been learning and all of our focus? Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of my life. Jesus at the center of your church. What breaks it up? What disrupts the community? That's what we're going to be looking at for a few minutes this morning because we want to be prepared. We want to know 
want to know what's going on in kind of our own lives and in the world and, and how we can guard ourselves against the things that would creep up on us. And so we're going to be looking at what disrupts our community today. I said at the beginning, if you weren't here, this is the thought that I'm kind of building around for today. I want it to sink into your own hearts and into your own lives. Disruption in community occurs when we take the focus off of Jesus Christ and put it on to ourselves and the individuals in the community. So what is what causes disruption? Right there. We take the focus off of Jesus and now we put it back into ourselves. You can go anywhere in the world and find communities and groups and different things of people that are together and the sole focus is me. Sometimes it's the group and sometimes it's kind of what other people in the group are about, but in general the focus is not Jesus Christ. That, that is what makes us as the church unique and special and different. So let's start walking through. I'm going to do a little bit of a, a short little Bible study with you here for, this, for a few minutes. Um, and I want you guys to follow along with me if you can. It's going to be up on the screen. We're going to come from James chapter 4. So if you have a version, if you're on the version Bible app, if you want to just open a regular old Bible, you know, they're in the front of you there. You can do that too. However you want to access it, it'll be on the screen behind you. I'll be reading from the NRSV version, James chapter 4, verse 1. And it says what it says up there. Those conflicts and disputes. What disrupts community? Conflicts and disputes. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Kind of like James knew something was going on, right? He knew that these were fledgling communities and he's writing this letter and he knows some things are already breaking down. Where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? That word cravings is an interesting word. Let me just tell you a little bit about it. And you read different versions, you'll hear cravings, you'll hear passions, you'll hear desires. Depends on the various word. But the, all of those words, the actual Greek word there, uh, stands for pleasures. And it's the same word used in verse 3. So in verse 3, most of the translations all, all say pleasures. But for some reason, they all translate this word differently. It's the same word. It's actually the word, the root word is hedonism. For pleasures, it's hedonism. The idea there is that pleasure is my goal. Cravings, passions, desires, pleasures. Pleasures are my goal. I live for pleasures. I live to feed myself. I live to feed my desires. It's all rooted deep down in the sinful nature. Wanting what we don't have. Wanting things to take care of myself. Wanting things to help build me up and make me feel better and do some things that feed my flesh. That's what this is talking about. It's those cravings, those passions, those things that war within you. Pay attention to that word or that phrase, war within you. Let's go on to the next verse. I broke verse 2 up into three sections, A, B, and C. This is just A and B. You want something, and you do not have it, so you commit murder. Ouch. 
and you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. Now again, back to a little bit of a Bible study here. This idea of murder is not actually that you're going out and killing someone. It's a hyperbole. James is using a hyperbole, just like in verse 1 I said, the, the war within you. Like, James is using these hyperbolic statements to connote or to tell you that this is really important. Like, this is really severe. You want so badly that you're actually willing to murder somebody. And there's war within you. And these hyperbolic things are kind of going on. He's just saying that this is super, super important. It's severe. What James seems to be saying is that we are all so ready to please ourselves that we stand ready to fight with anyone who stands in the way or who is opposed to us getting what we want. It's not simply an internal battle. It kind of sounds like that, right? It's at war within you and all that. It's not just an internal battle because the within you here is more related to your desires working themselves out through your actions. So you think you could keep it kind of this internal battle, but no, this is stuff that just kind of can't be contained. It works its way out. And then that's how we come into conflict with one another. What disrupts our community? Those cravings, those passions, those things that are waging war inside of us. So here's the last part of verse 2 and then into verse 3. It says, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Here's that word again, hedonism, right? It's the pleasures. It's the same word in verse 1. Notice why I broke this verse up into three parts. The last half of verse 2 and now into verse 3. The shift here that James is making is we've moved from talking about conflict with each other to now some kind of a vertical problem, right? We've got some disruption in our communion and our connection with God. We're in church. We think we should be able to pray our way through this stuff. Like, I got stuff going on in me. I'll just work my way through it. I'll deal with it. I can get over it. I'm, I'm good. Anybody been there? Right? I know. I know how to work my way through this stuff. But in the end, there's no victory. In the end, there's only more trial and struggle because we really aren't working deep down with the root. We're just dealing with behaviors and we're just dealing with some attitudes. We're just dealing with some stuff that's on the surface, the stuff that people can see. But we're not really getting down to the heart of it because at the heart of it, we're still living for our pleasures. We're still living for the world. We're still trying to go after the things that the world is calling us to partake in. James says earlier in this little letter, he says, you're double-minded. Anybody here ever felt like they're a little double-minded? Kind of searching for some things and trying to find some answers, but looking in all the wrong places and then going to God and trying to pray, but not really wanting to get rid of what's down at the heart of it all. Anybody been there? Am I the only one? I see some hands out there. 
You see, our focus, James says, and our pursuit is for ourselves. And not for God. Not for the good of his kingdom. So what disrupts our community? Simple answers when I don't get what I want. That can creep into any community. But it really does creep into the church, doesn't it? Anybody ever been there? So when I don't get what I want, what does it look like? What disrupts the community? What does it look like? There's a lot of different things that it looks like. Jealousy. Selfish ambition. Not loving peace but stirring up controversy. Oh, did you hear what someone's... Did you hear what they did? Oh, you know what? I was just out and I saw someone's... Did you know what they were doing? Stirring up a little bit of controversy, right? Oh, it's not gossip. No, I just saw them. I just wanted you to know. Mm-mm. Harshness. Instead of being gentle, harsh. Quick snap back like I just I don't know I'm just a little short tempered today because you know I'm a little tired I'm a little overwhelmed and so boom I snap a little bit unwilling to yield laying down my own way or my own opinion in deference to somebody else that's the that's hard because you know I'm always right so why would I lay down anything about what I think because of somebody they, they just don't see the whole picture right they don't got the whole story Why would I lay down and defer? Unmerciful. Unhelpful. Favoritism. What disrupts our community? When I don't get what I want? When I'm showing now favorites to try and get something that I'm looking for? Insincerity. We can be all kinds of messed up on all of these issues, right? It can be that we have a friendship with the world. We're just trying to attain some stuff out in the world. It can be um, pride can get in the way here. James would talk about that in verse 11, if you want to go talk about that and read about it. Overconfidence. Sometimes what disrupts our community, what leads into any of these things, is just some overconfidence. You can read about that in verse 13. So those are all the ways, all things that can happen to us for community to be disrupted. And they're all kind of, the big bucket there is that they're all kind of negative things, right? Well, here's the interesting thing. And this is one of the things that Bonhoeffer kind of brings out in his book in that very first chapter on community is sometimes we're looking at all the negative things to disrupt the community. But the reality is that disruption can come in positive packages too. Here's a challenging thought. He says, every human idealized image that is brought into the Christian community is a hindrance to genuine community and must be broken up so that genuine community can survive. Well, there's a tough thought. I come into a church, I come into this community, and I have some visions of what it's supposed to be like. Maybe it's what I grew up with, or maybe it's what I've been told it should be, or 
maybe I actually read the Bible and it's supposed to look like that, right? I come, I come in with all of these ideas and I make them up and then I impose them on the community that's there and all of these idealized images are still just working their way out through my own cravings and passions and desires. They look good. In some cases, they are really good. It's not that they're all negative. That's the troubling aspect of this is that disruption can come in positive packages too. When I have these ideas about what it's supposed to be like and then for some reason it doesn't happen, then that's when I get a little bit angry. That's when I get a little bit like blaming somebody. Just didn't quite work out the way I thought it was supposed to. Unmet expectations. Kind of put that one in there, right? Whenever expectations are not met from otherwise good ideas, disruption can happen. So here's some other things, other ways that disruption can happen. Other ways disruption influences the life of a community is and he, he, these are some thoughts again that Bonhoeffer brings out that the small groups are going to be looking at but an emphasis on emotion over truth when those things get out of balance where we we lean a little bit too far to just what I'm feeling and and make sure that the worship team did a little a, a really good job at getting me up that day and make sure the pastor preached really well because I want to feel it I need to feel it right when I start to overemphasize the emotion at the expense of the truth that I'm experiencing we're out of balance disruption can happen Piety at the expense of humility. Humility, grace, and love. Piety, when I start to look a certain way. When my experience within the community becomes more about what people see and how I'm acting and then how other people are supposed to act. We call that religion, right? We, we do things a certain way. When, when the piety gets in the way of my love and my grace and my mercy, the, the ability to extend love to somebody that walks in from the outside that I don't know. When those things, when piety gets in the way of humility, we can have disruption. A focus on pleasure over service. It's back to the idea, right? When I'm trying to just get what I'm trying to get, but I'm not willing to serve. I come every week, but I'm not willing to kind of lift a finger and go help out and do this or that. I'm not willing to, to put in the sweat equity to make this community what I want it to be, to, to help to, to make it what God wants it to be. When I'm so focused on myself and what I can get out of it, why do I come on a Sunday morning? To be filled up. Had a rough week. I need to be filled up again. I need the music to good. I need, I need to be recharged. But you know what? That's not what the community is all about. Life is hard. We get that. But when I focus on me and not Jesus, when I focus on me and not others, when I focus on me and I'm not serving, then the community experiences disruption. Focusing on a person before the Word of God. If a Christian community, if a church ever becomes about an individual, we're going down, folks. 
We're going down fast. Unless that individual is Jesus Christ. Amen? But let it not be about any one of us. That's not what the Christian community is all about. And let's not forget ingratitude. What disrupts our community? Bonhoeffer would say it this way. We do not complain. He's talking about us, the Christian community here. We do not complain about what God does not give us. Rather, we are thankful for what God does give us daily. We looked at that last week. We need to be thankful. Thankful for what God is doing, has done, and will continue to do. So what's the bottom line for us today? Bottom line is self-centered love loves the other for the sake of itself. Spiritual love loves the other for the sake of Christ. If we don't want to experience disruption in our community, then we see other people through the eyes of Christ. It boils down for us to a failure to love in the way that we have been loved and to extend grace and mercy in the way that we ourselves have received grace and mercy. Our failure to see others for who they are in Christ, who they are becoming And who we were when Christ found us. Will lead to disruption within our community. Let's just talk for a few minutes about how do we we avoid this? How do we not get sucked into the trap of seeing the community splinter and break and How do we avoid disruption? Just a few verses later in chapter 4 of James verses 7 through 10 gives a really, really helpful perspective. He starts out with verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Number one, we declare and we commit. He is speaking here in this verse. He is speaking to the double-minded folks. He is saying you don't need to be double-minded. You can't be. Figure out where your allegiance lies. When you figure out where your allegiance lies, then submit yourselves to it. And in the Christian community, that's God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Declare and commit. Now, two things again, back to a little Bible study here. The submit here is not so much a passive submission, but an active one. In the original language, we're talking about an active submission. It's not like, okay, God, you got it. I submit. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about a passive submission. We are ready to do the Lord's work. We are ready to engage the world on His terms. So the submission is to His will and to His way. It's not passive, just go do your thing, God. So that's important to understand. And the word resist, here's another little piece here. The word resist is not as active as it sounds. 
So a lot of folks are taking that word resist and they're going out and beating down the gates of hell, right? And it's this word here. It's not to say that we can't pray in spiritual warfare. I'm not saying any of that, right? But this word here, this word resist, is to be able to withstand. Be ready to withstand as opposed to going out and looking for a fight. You know a fight's coming. Amen? You got some fights in your life? You know a fight is coming. So resist them. Be ready to stand as you submit and become allegiant to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's go on to verse 8. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Let's just stop right there for a second. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Now I've declared, I've committed, now I press into Him. Press into Him. Notice that we take that step. As we take the step, God takes the step in return. Sometimes we're just waiting for God to take all the steps. Well, He already has. Right? He's done all the work that is necessary. Was But for His grace, but for the work that He did through Jesus Christ, God would... But for Jesus Christ, any of us. But now we press in. Now I want to know more. Now I want to learn. Now I've declared my allegiance and this is where my allegiance lies. Don't wait for that feeling. God, just move on me, would you? God, would you help me to... No, you make the move. You make the move. Start living like you want to be with Him. Make the move in His direction. Then he goes on, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, it's important to me that you understand where that verse fit in relation to the first two. God didn't say, go out and get yourself cleaned up and then come in and we'll deal with some stuff. He says, declare your allegiance. Press into me and you'll experience me. Now let's go and deal with the stuff that we got to deal with. You hear that? The church sometimes make, we put it in reverse. We're like, no, you know what? You got to get a little, deal with this, deal with this, deal with this. And you know what? We don't always say that either, do we? Sometimes we just look funny. Right? We're just looking at people when they come in the door. We're just making them feel awkward. Because we would never say that. We're a little bit holier than that, right? We would never say the things that we're thinking. Because you don't do that in church. But by the way we look, by the way we act, by the ways that we don't interact with people, we're saying all that we need to say. We're saying, go get yourself cleaned up, and then, you know what, when I see your intentions, when I see what you're doing, then I'll come to you, and then we'll figure this out together. No, that's not what this verse says. It says, I declare my allegiance, I resist the enemy, I press into God, and now I'm more aware of the things that I need to work on. We come face to face with the ways in which our lives need to be and can be surrendered to Christ. We do some hard work at that point. But notice it's on us. Christ has done the work of the cross. He has forgiven us. You can't earn that. You can't change that. But if you've got to deal with some bad habits in your life, you've got to deal with some ways of thinking, some patterns of thought in your life, you got to do some hard work. 
You've got to unwind all of that stuff and you've got to go through it. And there's no short way to go through it. There's no passivity in this process. When the Holy Spirit starts to work because we've pressed in and He starts to make us aware, now we've got to actually deal with the stuff that's inside of us. We actively, actively renounce those things that are inside of us. We repent of those things and we walk away. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Making us aware of the work that God has already done for us and how we can become like Him. Repent. Walk away. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Tough language, isn't it? You like it? How many like this verse? Some of you do because you just like being in the face, right? You just like, it's just clear, it's boom, it's right there. And Some of you are like, wow, that's some hard stuff. Let's go on to verse 9. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughters be turned into mourning and your joy into dejection. Now this sounds like a command, doesn't it? Lament and mourn and weep. It's not a command. He's not telling you to go out mourn and weep. He's saying that when you confront, that they cleanse your hearts, you sinners, and purify your hearts, right? When you come face to face with the ways that you're not measuring up to God, you're going to be broken. James says, lament it. Live into it. Don't press through it. Just stay there for a little bit. Feel the heaviness. Be broken before me. Be grieved. Be grieved by your sinfulness. And if at that point you start to sense some hopelessness, he ends it this way. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. God takes us from that pit God takes us from that low place where we're just overwhelmed with things and He lifts us up in our humility. It doesn't work any other way. He's not going to lift you up because you're some, you've got skills and abilities and talents. He's not going to lift you up for any other reason other than you submit yourselves to Him and you humble yourselves before Him. Only when we get to the end of ourselves, all those passions and those desires to please ourselves, to fulfill our goals and our dreams, only at the end do we find peace and His strength to lift us up and to see things with new and fresh perspective. Only then do we see authentic, self-sacrificial love. Only then are we able to be authentic, the authentic Christian community that he's designed us to be. Only then will we avoid the disrupting influences that tear us apart and drive us to distraction. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. Press in to God. Let's just summarize it. It's right here. Declare and commit. Press in, clean up where needed, lament and mourn 
when you come face to face with your sinfulness and then allow God to lift you up. Amen? How do we avoid disruption? Right there. This is what I want to leave you with, the closing thought. Life together. That's what we've been working through this sermon series. This is a culminating message for our series. Life together in Christ requires Christ and His love to be at the heart of our community and our personal, that is also known as sinful desires and images of community, they need to be surrendered to Him. That's authentic community in Christ. That's living life together the way we want to live it. Amen? Invite the worship team. I don't know, we have a closing song today. If the worship team wants to come up, maybe not. I told them not to plan on one, so I'm just making sure. (laughs) This is where we're going. I just want to leave this thought. I think I'm just going to close us in prayer today. Where do we go from here? We've been looking at life together. Our small groups are going to be digging in to life together. And they've already started this week. And I'm excited to to hear some of the feedback. We're going to be looking at how do we become the Christian community that God has called us to be. And, And where do we take that? Where do we go from there? Starting next week, we're going to be looking at what does that love that we received, that grace, that mercy, that has been extended us. What does that really look like? Where do I fit in this biblical story? We're going to discover some foundational truth, but I think we're also going to see that that truth was rooted in undying love for you and I. So that's where we are going to pick up next week. It'll be a new series, but it's in the same vein that we've been working together. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us. If anybody needs prayer this morning, would like to have prayer, I will be up here. I'm going to invite our prayer team members to come up and just hang out up here. And you are free to come and receive prayer this morning. If for any reason you've been on the fence about your own relationship with God, your own desire to press in and to get to know Him, if you have at all been on the fence wondering where that fits in your life and what it looks like, don't delay, don't wait. Come forward today and let me, let our prayer team pray with you for God to open your eyes, your heart, and your ears this morning to what He's doing, He's already doing in your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we close out our time today, I am profoundly grateful for your undying love for me. I am profoundly grateful for your abundant grace and mercy that has met me just this week. And I know that each and every one of us can insert our own selves into that prayer because you have been abundantly gracious and loving and kind. Merciful. Gracious to us. Lord, right now as we close out this time together, I am just, I'm praying for our community right now, Lord Jesus. We have 
such a great cloud of witnesses here. We have such a great opportunity. We have people who love you, Lord Jesus. We are together in this community. And I pray against any attack, anything that the enemy would bring against us to try and disrupt us. Lord, would you open our eyes to see how we can be more prayerful? How can we be more aware of the ways that the enemy might attack us to break us down, to tear us apart? Some of that is within inside of us, Lord Jesus. You know all too well those things that are at work raging inside of us and trying to work their way out. But Lord, some of it is also just good You know that too. We have images of what we want it to be. And and when those things aren't met, sometimes it can lead to disruption as well. And so, Lord God, you know. You know these things. You know the plans that you have for us as a community. You know the plans that you have for our church to reach out into the neighborhoods to, to share this good news of who you are because we are convinced of who you are. We're convinced of what you've done for us. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you and I just pray that any way that the enemy might come along to to disrupt us. To try and tear this down, Lord, would you give us the strength and the courage to press in to that, to resist those efforts and those attempts, Lord. We submit again ourselves to you. And Lord, I pray that if there is anybody here who can't say that confidently, Lord, that you would touch their hearts today, that you would bring them along in their journey of understanding and and commitment to who you are. Lord Jesus, let our community be a community that is centered and focused and fully devoted to loving Jesus Christ. Would you move by the power of your Holy Spirit on our hearts and on our minds? Would you help us? Because we need your help. We honor you today, Lord. We honor you with this time and this place. And we honor you with our response as we move forth from here. Whatever that looks like. As we greet one another. Maybe as we linger and pray. As we write notes, as we write down prayer requests, as we give our tithes and our offerings, as we go and share and break some bread together, as we go on our way about the rest of this day, Lord, would this stick with us? Would you allow these words and these thoughts and these ideas to just stick with us? So that we can keep pressing into you, so that we can keep dealing with those things that we need to deal with inside of us. Be near as we grieve and lament those things. And as we humble ourselves before you, lift us up in your way and in your time. I thank you for this community, Lord. I thank thank you for the love that we share. I thank you, Lord, because I love this community. I love our church and I thank you for the privilege of serving. But Lord, it is all about you. And would you just help us keep the focus there? We give this all to you. And the powerful, the loving, the gracious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.